Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar sinai Dr. Clapper. For 32 years. What a big week I had in surgery. Saw so many Weekend Warriors as patients. Always ask them. What's your favorite story? What do you like about the show? A lot of times they talk about Clappervision, certainly. And we're going to do a beautiful Clappervision about Kawhi Leonard and his knee. What about Joel Embiid and his knee? We'll get into that. People love when I talk about my dad and my mom, the nurse, the carpenter. And tomorrow's Father's Day. I'm going to tell you lots of stories about my dad, Abraham Clapper, in the words of wisdom. Robbie, don't forget the trip of a thousand miles begins with the first step. He loved that. The bumper music will be filled with father-related songs. But my guest, he's made me so excited Calling in at 8.15. This whole week, thinking about my guest this sat, uh, coming up for this show. is David Smith. He's the superintendent for Joshua Tree, the national park. My wife and I recently visited this park to see the night sky, to see the Joshua Trees, to be in the desert. And it was awesome. And so it made me think all week about the magical moments you get when you visit the desert. And it's right here. What a treat. Where do you see the magic of the desert in the world of art, the world of sports, and in my world of surgery? Well, in the world of art, the world of music, the most famous, the most famous song about the desert is this one. listening to Dewey Bunnell, who wrote the song as a member of the group America, with two high school classmates, teenagers. They actually beat out the Eagles in 1972 for best group, best new up-and-coming group. These guys. And you know why the group is called America? because they're Americans, but they're high school kids growing up in London. Now, why would Dewey Bunnell write a song about the desert? Because his dad was in the Air Force. He traveled all over the world 
doing satellite research. And a big part of Dewey Bennell's life was spent in Vandenberg Air Force Base in the desert. And here he is now in London, raining, cold, foggy, depressed. And one day he just says, I got to mentally get out of here. So he writes a fantasy song about the magic that he remembers about the desert. We're going to get into that magic with my guest at 8.15. And I'm literally going to go through some of the lyrics of the song, and I want to hear what David Smith says. For example, on the first part of the journey, Dewey Bunnell writes, I was looking at all the life. Trust me, I went to the desert. I saw a bunny rabbit. That was it. What kind of life? But the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. There's life, a lot of life. He also writes, The heat was hot and the ground was dry, but the air was full of sound. I didn't hear anything. In fact, the the part of visiting the desert that was so great for me was how quiet it was. How these animals, how you survive in these conditions is astounding. It's inspiring, actually. So it made me think, where where do you see those challenges of the desert, the magic in sports? Uh, this is unbelievable. Wait till you hear this story. I love football. We love football. This station is the home of the L.A. Rams. I'm a season ticket holder. We got a brand new stadium. But can you imagine being the Arizona Cardinals? You're in the middle of the desert. How are you going to build a stadium and still want natural turf? It's 120 degrees. You want to stay away from artificial turf as much as you can. How are you going to grow grass indoors in a dome stadium In Arizona, in Glendale, Arizona. Well, in 2003, they broke ground to build University of Phoenix Stadium. Now it's called State Farm Stadium. But here's what you're going to hear about. Why is this new stadium in Arizona, in the middle of the desert, such an iconic landmark stadium? It's not because the roof is retractable, although that's pretty cool. Maybe you don't know this, but I'm about to tell you. The football field is pure, natural Bermuda grass. Well, how does it survive in the middle of the desert? You know what these geniuses did? They built the turf, an entire football field, on wheels. It's on the same track wheels that railroad cars are on. And this gigantic football field made of dirt and natural grass, Bermuda grass, rolls out of the stadium into the parking lot where they can water it and the sun can make the grass grow. And then when game time comes, takes about an hour, they press a button and they roll the whole football field outside from the parking lot into the stadium. Can you imagine what an architectural feat, construction feat it is 
to meet the challenge of playing football in the desert. You're going to hear that story coming up as well. Awesome. And in my world of surgery, the world and the challenges of the desert are immense. And we'll get into that as well. Clapper vision about Kawhi Leonard. God bless those Clippers. They won. They're now going to have to meet Chris Paul. Let's hope he's healthy enough having COVID. But hats off. As a Laker fan, hats off to the Clippers to do it without Kawhi Leonard. But why is he out? What's the connection between his 2017 quadriceps injury in his right knee and now his ligament sprain in his right knee? And I'll get into clap revision. The clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. But right now, let's listen to what's so magical about the musical nature of the desert. And why did Dewey Bunnell and how did Dewey Bunnell write this song, A Horse With No Name? Looking at all the life. Looking at all the life. There were plants and birds and rocks and, and things. things. There were sand and hills and rain. What's the rain? The first thing I met was a fly with a, a fly buzz. With a buzz. With no Sky did not have clouds. It's blue. The, heat was hot and the ground was dry. The air was full, the air was full of sound. I've been Yeah, he's not in London anymore. Dewey Bunnell's writing this song as a member of the group America as a teenager. Jerry Buckley wrote a song. He's only 16 years old. You're going to hear from him in a second. And Dan Peake, who just passed away recently, is gone. But the three of them. Remember Sergio Mendez said when he heard two women singing, it inspired him. Nobody had ever done that before. And Sergio Mendez in Brazil, 66, was born. You're not going to hear that again. Two female lead singers. Well, in America, you know what you hear that you never heard before? You hear three acoustic guitars going at the same time. Here's another song of theirs. Dewey Fidel wrote this song. It's called Ventura Highway because it goes to Ventura. But he says he, he misspoke. He's actually thinking of the Pacific Coast Highway. Because he remembers being in Southern California and riding along the coast. But the sound. Yeah, Neil Young inspired them. Crosby, Stills, and Nash inspired them. But they're unique. Stronger than moonshine 
Who are these guys? How did it come about? How did they tap into the magic of the desert? I found a great interview from the early 70s when they started. They're on a plane in New Mexico, of all places. And they're being interviewed about how do you, how do you write these songs? This is why you should be inspired. Don't let anybody get in your way, particularly the teenagers listening to this show. This is the story of America. Hey, well, look, they write all their own stuff. I mean, yeah. whoever, I mean, while you're on tour, are you, as you're flying around, do you, do you sit and play with tunes and stuff like that and come up with Or do you wait until the tour is over and then get back Jerry to the Beckley's gonna answer. Professionally, we don't really work on material together on the road. No, uh, the road is sometimes is a place that you can write. I mean, all of us maybe write, have written a song on the road. We sometimes get a piano in our room or take a guitar back. But basically, the real construction is done on the periods in between touring. You know, we'll do a, we'll uh, gather all the material we've written, say, over the year and get together for a couple of weeks before the, we record an album and go through the material and work on it and uh, arrange it as far as the group is concerned. He's almost 70 now, I think, Jerry Beckley. This is him as a teenager talking to you. I find it easiest just to write maybe some lyrics on the road or something. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to this write, unless you just happen to be in horse with no a good stretch or, or feel prolific for some couple of weeks so on the road or inspired. Yeah, we write the nucleus of each song separately and then we bring it together and we add to it or else pun it right off. So now they ask him, do we? All right, this is your process. How did you write, why did you write A Horse With No Name, a song about the desert? A Horse With No Name was, was such a unique type sound and song, the whole thing, you know, it just, you know, since then it's been stuff similar, but that was the first. How did you, I mean, what were you sitting in a bar or what? How did that come to you? <laughs> I was, we were in England, the farthest really place from a desert possible, I guess. It was just a, uh, just an imaginary Thing. You know, you're Imagine. sitting there in England and it's raining outside and you look outside and what could, what would be better than this? Boy, it'd be neat to be in the desert and there's some hot sun. <laughs> That's what's so magical about going to the desert. It stays in your head. He wrote this song as a complete fantasy song. Dewey is definitely a fanatic for deserts and I'll be he'll probably be out looking for rattlesnakes and things. I'm a reptile freak. <laughs> reptile freak. Because <laughs> my aunt. That's Go a long ahead. story. Well, my father, we were all oh, Air no. Force. <laughs> His career field was in satellite tracking and missile guidance, so we were on remote Air Force bases all the time. So me and my little brother spent a lot of time out poking in holes and seeing what came out. <laughs> There's a nice little tidbit for your story. <laughs> yeah. And now, all these years later, listen to Jerry Beckley. He lives in Australia part-time now. Give you the history of these three boys getting together to make the group America. Jerry Beckley and Dewey Bunnell, along with former member Dan Peake, beat the Eagles to take home the Grammy for Best New Artist in 1972 after bursting onto the world stage with a string of hits. Their timeless harmonies are still adored by fans, and Jerry Beckley is with us here live in the studio. Good morning, Pleasure. Jerry. It is great oh, to have you Kristen, here. Pleasure. Um, you. you formed America with school friends Dewey and Dan in 1970, but you weren't even in America. You were in we, England. We were sons of American servicemen that were stationed in the London area, and so we were at a high school there for dependents. We met in 68, formed the band in 70, and uh, did the first album there. Mm, great history. 
And your earliest gigs were at the Roundhouse. Yes. Yeah, opening for The Who, Pink Floyd and Elton John. Yes. Amazing. You boys were barely out of your teens. I was 17, I remember, and we sat on stools and we played about 20 minutes of our acoustic stuff and the crowd went mild. <laughs> and, and then uh, Pink Floyd came out with a 90-piece orchestra and choir oh and performed God. the entire Adam Hart Mother album. So it was quite a contrast. Wow. In the new biography of the band, you say that um, Heartbreak is the greatest inspiration for a song. So I Need You was one of the big hits from your first album. Yes. Was that song about a real girl? I'm afraid it wasn't. No, it's poetic. Uh, kind of, you, you use poetic license. Um, in this case, I got uh, lucky early. I was 16 when I wrote that song. It was our wow. most covered song. You know. All the great uh, classic singers, Johnny Mathis, Andy Williams, they all did covers of it. It's beautiful. Yeah. And you were 16. Yeah. And here's the best story. She asks him about Horse With No Name, the song about the desert. This is his answer. If you're in the desert all that time, how come yeah. you didn't have time to name the horse? <laughs> well, there was a variety of answers. One was that we named him Frank and we rode him to the bank. <laughs> um, but there is now a nice, not, a, not an ending to that story, but my partner Dewey and his wife Penny have adopted a wild Mustang and they've named it Noname, no name. Oh, no. So they that. actually have a horse named Noname now. That is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> well, there's a, a stadium in the middle of the desert in Arizona that has a name. It used to be University of Phoenix Stadium, where the St. Louis Cardinals in 1988 moved to perform and form the Arizona Cardinals. Now it's called State Farm Stadium. How do you make a stadium with natural grass in the middle of the desert? The challenge of the desert, the magic of the desert. We're going to look into it in the world of sports. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, Clapman. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. My mother is felling in heaven right now when you say that. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm Belly Slater. Thank you. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Well, I tried to make it Sunday, but I got so damn depressed. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's the great Jerry Beckley singing with his mates, the group America, Sister Golden Hair. Beautiful music. And of all the groups, they're the only group in rock and roll history to take on the magic of the desert, which is today's topic. And joining me at 8.15 is going to be David Smith, the superintendent 
of Joshua Tree, the magical desert in 29 Palms that you should definitely visit. I particularly plan on staying overnight to see the night sky. You'll see stars you've never seen before. It's awesome. It made me think all week. What about the magic of the desert in the world of sports? Two key parts to the stadium for the Arizona Cardinals. This retractable roof built on an incline. Nobody ever did that before. But for me, the coolest part of battling the desert is natural turf, which is what you want as an orthopedic surgeon. Less injuries. You want that cleat to be in grass, not on artificial turf. We see less injuries because of it. The players enjoy it more. But how are you going to grow grass indoors? You can't. So they roll the whole field outside into the parking lot. Listen to the story of this stadium. We talk all about the Colosseum in Rome, the pyramids of Egypt, all these different great structures that get built. Sounds silly to say it, but I'm here to tell you that stadium in Glendale, Arizona is right on up there with architectural feats that mankind should be proud of. Here's the story of the stadium. In mega project construction, some things don't come around very often. Out of the Arizona desert sand and four years in the making is one of those icons. The $412 million Cardinal Stadium with its retractable roof and rollout natural turf playing surface is a first in North America. Having a first class stadium with every fan amenity that any modern stadium has, air conditioning, uh, all the great design features and, and interesting technology that's been incorporated into the design, I think is going to have a huge impact on, in terms of our brand, in terms of what people, how they feel about Cardinal football. Yes, yes we do. Work commenced on this 165-acre West Valley site in July of 2003 with design builder Hunt Construction Group at the helm. The owner, Arizona Sports and Tourism Authority, and primary tenant, the Arizona Cardinals, would be in good hands steady hands. Hunt, the nation's number one sports facility builder, went about its business of building a landmark. But you have to put together the team because the desert's going to challenge you. It's a proof that you can bring together high design, sports architecture, an aggressive budget, a dual ownership, put it all in one place, put it all under the hunt umbrella, and we can deliver on time and on budget. So whoever these hunt guys are, they were up for the challenge of what to do in 120-degree heat, which is what they're dealing with right now. Without a doubt, Cardinal Stadium is the new benchmark in stadium design and construction. This bold and innovative venue has the size and capacity of a major outdoor stadium with the features and functionality of an arena. It truly is one of a kind. The retractable roof panels open and close on an incline, a first. The rollout field retractable roof combo, a first. These two key features give the Arizona Sports and Tourism Authority a multi-dimensional facility 
that offers a total of 63,500 fixed mm. seats with a mega event capacity of 72,800 seats. 72,000 people can sit in the blazing heat of the desert in an air-conditioned stadium with natural grass on the inside. They did it. These aren't uh, construction techniques that you just pick up off the shelf. This had never been done before. Somebody had to manage that work and deliver on that promise, and Hunt did it. Site work included a stadium building footprint of 25 acres. Mm. 860,000 cubic yards of dirt was moved. Approximately 100,000 cubic yards of concrete was poured, and that's inside the structure. Four wow. main super columns support the Brunel trusses. There's 11,000 tons of rebar on six levels. I thought it was amazing coincidence. I'm talking about a horse with no name written by a guy named Dewey Bunnell, and he's talking about Bunnell trusses. They have nothing to do with each other. But talk about random things in life. Bunnell and Brunel. This superstructure's aesthetics were designed by Peter Eisenman of New York City. Designer HOK of Kansas City was in charge of functionality and structure. Designer Pentagram, also out of New York, handled suite interiors and graphics. And ME Engineers out of Denver was in charge of mechanical, electrical, plumbing. The shape of the stadium, a barrel cactus wrapped by a snake, was the vision of Peter Eisenman. A barrel cactus and a snake. That's their inspiration to make this stadium grow out of the desert. The stadium was voted already one of the 10 best stadiums in the world by Business Week magazine hmm. before it even opened. Wow. So it clearly strikes a chord with Mr. Everybody. The process for building a stadium, it was always a, a racetrack and a donut to move around the building when you construct it. But because of the familiarity, I've seen very different approaches taken to a building where you work on four sides of the building, you work on two sides go vertically and then work on other aspects and so they've uh, hunt as an organization has really been able to think in different ways about that so interesting how do you approach the building process as a sculptor in marble who's fascinated by michelangelo you learn a lot by looking at those sculptures that he left unfinished because it teaches you as the viewer of how he created the david the finished one but you start to analyze in the unfinished ones how he started at the block of marble, working all sides, just like they're building this stadium, is how Michelangelo with a hammer and a chisel worked on all sides at the same time in sculpting those figures busting out of the rock. The unique rollout natural grass playing field is contained in a single tray that weighs 18.9 million pounds. It's mm. 234 feet wide and 403 feet long. Rolled in on game days, the field will offer the preferred natural grass playing surface. Rolled out for the remaining 350 days of the year, the field will receive sunlight and water. The field tray is powered by electronic motors mounted on steel wheels riding on steel tracks, similar to railroad technology. Just the functionality of the structure. One of those folks they mentioned, they brought in a designer, an architect, to talk about functionality. It, it's not so much that it looks pretty, like a barrel cactus with a snake wrapped around it, like the desert. 
but it also has to work. But you've got to battle the desert, that heat. The tracks are embedded in the concrete stadium floor. The field rolls in or out of the stadium in just one hour. The retractable roof is another construction milestone. <laughs> the two large retractable panels open and close on an arch. The panels are made of bird air fabric, allowing light to penetrate a closed roof, offering an open, airy feel. Also when closed, the retractable roof allows for an air-conditioned environment, maximizing comfort in this state-of-the-art facility. When open, the stadium takes advantage of Arizona's famous sunshine, a bonus during fall and winter season football games. Did you hear him say it's called bird air fabric? You learn from who survives in the desert when you actually want to build a football stadium in the desert. An impressive building comes with some impressive numbers. 36 months of construction, approximately 600 skilled tradesmen and women each day, wow. 10,000 metal panels on the exterior skin, each one three inches thick, tongue and groove assembly, 21 glazed slots in the skin to allow for additional natural light and a view to the outside. Two Brunel trusses, each weighing 1,700 tons, 700 feet long, and 87 feet tall. The trusses, of course, support the retractable roof. When he says 600 workers each day, it reminds me of Mount Rushmore, which you all need to visit. Gutzon Borglund, the sculptor of Mount Rushmore, hired over 400 ranchers and miners and made them into artists. He couldn't do it himself. He couldn't blow up the dynamite by himself. He needed workers. But he needed the workers to be artists. And that's the magic of Mount Rushmore. Over 400 men working on that mountain. Not one fatality. Not one serious injury. You gotta have the brains behind that project. And that's exactly what happened here to do battle with the desert. The 5,600 ton roof lift is the heaviest ever roof lift in North America. Wow. Eight hydraulic jacks, each with 54 cables inside, were used to raise the roof 130 feet. Wow. The lift took four days and ranks as one of the top construction feats in the world in 05. There are 700 sports lights, 1 million watts of lighting altogether, 8,000 tons of air conditioning. You better, you better have air conditioning because that's how you can beat the challenge and cohabitate and coexist in the blazing hot Arizona desert. It's magical in art, in sports, in my world of surgery as well. Coming up next, I'm going to take you into surgery. What a week I had. It was fascinating. Hips, knees, shoulders. Did surgery on a young woman basketball player. Did surgery on an older woman whose hips died because the circulation failed. It's called avascular necrosis. I'm going to explain what all that is. Oh, and the knee surgeries I did yesterday. People's, I don't know how you guys run around. Your knee is like a pretzel. That's how deformed it was. But it sure is nice to be a sculptor. Because with the tools that I have in the operating room, I get to be like Michelangelo with his marble. We'll get into it. The number's 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. My eyes. 
Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly here, Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Google the Guggenheim. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. This is Buster Poindexter, but his name also was David Johansson. And he was in the Dolls, I think, from New York, the New York Dolls. This guy's had a hell of a career musically. Leave it to Steve Paulette to find us. Hot, hot, hot. That's the desert. Well, happy Father's Day to all the weekend warriors who happen to be fathers. I'll leave you with another gem from Abraham Clapper, my dad. He said to me, Robbie, it's not so much that I love your mother. He used to say, it's that I like her. So for all of you wondering, should I marry this girl? Should I just keep dating this girl? Is she the right one? Remember the words of wisdom this Father's Day from my dad, Abraham Clapper. You want your marriage to last the love is great, but you actually want to like her. Damn right. That's right, Kobe Bryant. Abraham Clapper. We're going to talk about him all show long. Tell a few stories about, I'm sure I've told it many times before, but I'm going to tell it again down the line, about him in Germany in World War II when a deer came out of the woods i got to save that one for later. All right, let's do the clinic. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Who do we have here? Who do you want me to talk to, Steve? Tracy. Tracy, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hi, Dr. Clapper. Um, thank you. You're welcome. How young are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 59, but about four years ago I had to retire. I would do facials, but I couldn't lean over anymore to do the facial be- while I'm sitting because it- my back would go out. 59 years old. When's your birthday? December 29th. You're going to be 60. What are you going to do on your 60th birthday? <laughs> Whew. <laughs> you know what, Dr. Clever? <laughs> if, if, I'm, if I'm well, if my back is well, I'll just be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You're damn right. That's all that really matters. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? What did your father do for a living? Okay, I grew up in uh, it's called View Park, California, and I my father he he did he was in he was um he was in music management for really? a group called Weather Report. Oh, I remember <laughs> and, Weather uh, Report. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And your mom? Did <laughs> your mom then, work? Yeah. Yeah. She's par- she was a paralegal oh, right wow. here in Beverly Hills. Who yeah, made who made dinner at night when you were growing up? Your dad or your mom? Well, they uh, ooh, both, both, really? both. What yeah. was what yeah. was the greatest? If you could close your eyes right now, what would Uh-oh. be the dish <laughs> that you'd want your mother or your father to make? 
Um, I, my, they used to grill steaks. Steaks sometimes. Sometimes, so, yeah. So or, you or, or make, you put steak sauce on it, or you just put salt and pepper on it. I think we put steak sauce, but actually, you know what? The that actually, you know what? It was the curry chicken that my father made. Curry chicken. That was uh, curry chicken in a pot. One pot with a lot of lot of onions, garlic. And very little water, and, and it made it like a, a oh, it was, that's what he made most of the time. Curry so, chicken. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Where was he from that he learned how to make curry chicken? Well, I don't know. He's from he's from Mississippi originally, mm-hmm. but he grew up most of the time here and then went into the Navy. and um, Mississippi. I don't wow. know. Did he tell you stories yeah. about his childhood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were pretty. Uh, they were. They were, the family was close, but they, he was in the south back in the '30s. So when it wasn't it was, fun to be there. Exactly. Yeah. He, yeah. He saw a lot. He saw a lot of uh, racism. Yeah, um, racism. Yeah. Yes. And bad yeah, stuff. Hang, hanging. Did, death. Did he yeah, tell you he, he saw, saw lynchings? Yes. 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 Can you imagine yes. that? He saw something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He probably didn't want to it talk about it, but when he did, man, it must have been such a, a glimmer in his eye. He must have been so happy to be the hell out of Mississippi. Good for him. God bless him. Yeah, and yeah. Then to, and yeah, then to go just, into the music business, to be in a creative yeah. field. God, he, he had like a roller coaster of a life from the depths of horrible yeah. to the highs yeah. of being creative. Good for your dad. Yeah, that's my daddy. That's exactly yeah, Oscar right. Cadell, I love him. I love him so much. <laughs> oh, is he still alive or he passed away? He's still alive. I'm looking forward to all of us. His daughters, my his son, which is my husband, we're all going down. Uh, he's in San Bernardino. Wow. So we're going to go see him this tomorrow. Tell, tomorrow. tell him happy Father's Day from Dr. Clapper. That would really be oh, great. That's fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Clapper. What's his first thank name? You. Oscar. Oscar. <laughs> Tell him Dr. Clapper says hi to Oscar. That's fantastic. All right, how can I help you, young lady? Tell me what's up. What hurts? Oh, <laughs> Dr. Clapper, I love you. Okay, listen. Thank you. My I pleasure. You, okay, uh, thank you. I, I met you before, but I'm not going to go through that. But anyway, um, me and my husband, we met you, but I'm not going to tell you. Okay. okay. So I called you I called you over a year ago, and yes. I was telling you about this hip pain, mm-hmm. and it goes down to my leg, and I had da 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 Okay, so we thought maybe it could have been um, infection that was left in my leg. So I had I have the test done to, to, to rule out infection. I had um, and I and I I had uh, MRI mm-hmm. okay, of your done. lower back. I hope lower back and yes. hip and hip. Okay, mm-hmm. and of my femur. Okay, just to see because it's so much pain. I cannot sit, so I can't sit because of my lower back. But if I get in a position where I am sitting and I'm leaning, then my leg, my femur, the, the back, it's just, it's excruciating. I have to stand up. So my, my best position is standing and walking or laying down with my knees up. So there's a fancy schmancy term in medicine we call claudication. And okay. what that means is exactly what you're describing, that the comfortable position is actually to be standing. Um, but we never know, or we wonder, is the claudication that people have described as radiating pain, is it coming from a nerve or is it coming from bad circulation? Is it vascular claudication 
or is it neurologic claudication? So I'm going to give you a secret, how you can diagnose which of the two it is. So when a person tells me they have pain when they start getting around that goes down their legs, and if they say, but when I sit down, it immediately goes away, then that is vascular claudication because changing position affects the pipe, the blood supply, and it's relieved. So when the claudication goes away by just sitting down, instantly it's vascular. When you cannot really get away, you start walking, and now you get more of that pain down your leg, that claudication, and you just can't get away from it, you can't relieve it just by sitting down, it lingers, then that's neurologic. So if yours is lingering, it's neurologic, and that's what it sounds like uh, for you. Yeah, you need to have a workup. You need to make sure the infection is gone. Is the infection was in your femur? Where was the infection? Pardon? Where was the infection that you had? Yeah, it was um, inner left thigh um, abscess. So, yeah, you need to make sure you need an updated MRI of that area to make sure it's clear. There are blood tests that you okay. can do something called a C-reactive protein. You need to get in the hands of a good infectious disease doctor who can work it up to make sure it's clean and clear. Um, Before you start talking about treatment, you really need to firm up where is it coming from, coming from your hip or coming from your lower back. There's there's ample studies that can help figure that out, but you're going to need a good person to kind of figure out where it's coming from. There's a great Smart guy at Cedars. I'm gonna. You got a pencil. I'm gonna give you his name. I'm ready. His name is Neil N E E L Neil Anand A N A N D. He's one of the smartest okay. people you're ever gonna meet. And if anybody can figure out, is it coming from your thigh or coming from your back? He's gonna figure it out. You call him. Tell him you are sent by Dr. Clapper from the Weekend Warrior Show. We'll get all excited. But that guy will figure okay. out what's going on with you, and he's a spine expert as well, so he can take care of it at the same time. And thanks so much for the kind words. Okay. And tell Oscar, happy Father's Day. Oh, gosh, I wish he was listening. Okay. Okay, Thank young you lady. So thanks much, for calling. Doctor. God bless you. Okay. All right. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. The lines are all lit up. Steve Paulette, can't wait to hear the music you're going to play. Is it going to be about the desert, America, or is it going to be about Father's Day? I leave this totally up to you. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show every Saturday morning at 710 ESPN. Thank you, Clever. I love you. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar sinai head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. It's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. The best entertainer. Forget going to the movies. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. So the Clapper was looking at the flapper. Can you imagine how cool that was? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles. Forgive 
Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Happy Father's Day. That soundbite before about the flapper was the day when I was eight years old. My dad said, Robbie, come on, we're going to go fix the toilet. I look up, I don't want to fix the toilet. I'm eight years old, leave me alone. Nope, he said to me, you're going to have to make a decision in your life. I said, I'm eight years old. What decision am I making? My decision is, what am I Am I going to have tuna fish or peanut butter and jelly for lunch? That's what I'm up for as a decision. No, he said, Robbie. We're going to go fix this toilet, and I'm going to teach you how to fix the toilet because you are going to have to make a decision in life. I said, okay, Dad, what's the decision? Are you going to be the master of your home, or are you going to let your home be the master of you? I said, Dad, we're Jewish. We don't fix things. He said, yes, we do. And my father taught me what a flapper was in a toilet. And now I'm a flapperologist. That's how good I am. Dr. Clapper knows everything about the flapper in the toilet. Thanks to Abraham Clapper, my father. So happy Father's Day. All right, let's uh, go to the clinic. The numbers, the lines are all lit up. I won't even give the number. Let's go to, let's see, Stephen, Frank, Brett. Let's go to Brett in Harbor City. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Okay, Dr. Clapper, happy Father's Day and all the great things you do at the uh, hospital there. Thank you, Brett. Uh, So how young are you? What do you do for a living? Okay, so I'm 64. Uh, I was a longshoreman for uh, 22 years. Did you? Uh, were you taught as a longshoreman? This I learned from my father that if yeah, yeah. you pick something up and it's rusty, a nail, a crate, and it cuts your hand, that immediately you should pee on your hand because urine is sterile. Did you ever get taught that as a longshoreman? You taught me. You <laughs> taught me over the radio. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. All right, how can I help? What's up with you, Brett? Okay, so um, I'm a sportsman. I like to play pickleball. Do you play pickleball, doctor? The only pickles I like have garlic and vinegar, and I eat them. I don't know from pickleball. I'm a Uh surfer. Okay, so, you know, I'm active to where when you're active, and there could be times where you're not just standing still. You have to be moving. Mm -hmm. You're you're in motion. You're Mm going to work that joint, that hinge, a little bit more than if you're just, you know, maybe sitting around playing computer games. Got it. Um, So... The point that I did, I bought some compression socks mm-hmm. to increase uh, my blood circulation because I am diabetic, Good. type 2. Mm-hmm. And so the blood circulation is helping. It's bringing more oxygen to the tissues and to the joints. Mm-hmm. And before I wasn't doing that, I was having, you know, some minor, like uh, after I would do some sports activities uh, and, and I would play like for a couple hours, uh, you, you know, it could be pickleball, basketball. I would notice that I would have some kind of inflammation in that area, some pain. In what um, area? Your knee? Yeah, my left knee. Got it. Uh-huh. So let me, yeah. I, you're, you're interested. Where, what did your father do for a living? Where did you grow up? Well, this is a great story. My father actually, um, <clears throat> he was an American like athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, um, he played basketball for Maryland University. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you ever heard of Coach uh, Gene Chu? Yes. He was the coach for the Bullets. Yes. Um, he uh, was involved with basketball, uh, but then he went to South America, which was really amazing. And he, 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 he brought up all of these great athletes in South America and all these great countries. He started all these great basketball programs. Gene Shu um, did. Now, how is Gene Shu your dad? No, I wish he was. Oh. No, no, no. My father uh, played for he, him. Uh, 
he was a you know he was a you know great athlete, and then his father was a professional hockey player, really? played for the New York Rangers. Now, how did you become uh, a longshoreman? Why did that happen? How did that happen? This is a great story. You know, it's like the circles that you go in. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're surfing out there, and mm-hmm. you're a surf bum, and a surf bum comes up to you and says, "Hey, you know what? You got to start, you know, carrying your weight a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to start buying me tacos and buying me beer. You know what? <laughs> There's a job where you can make." You can make like forty-four dollars an hour, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be your coach. I'm gonna be your mentor. <laughs> and so this guy, he was a like a tennis player, pickleball mm-hmm. player, and like twenty-five years ago, he said, "Hey, look at you've had all these lame jobs. I want you to get a real job, young man." So he got me into it. He coached me. He was my mentor. You got to have a mentor, Doctor Clapper. Yeah. And and he pushed me in the right direction. I keep looking for my mentor, but I have yet to find a guy who sculpts. Who does surgery? Who uh-huh. surfs? Who invents things? Who writes books? Who's on the radio? I can't seem to find a guy to be my mentor. But Maybe along the way, journey. along the way, each of journey. those that's what's going to each of that's those professions, life. you got to find someone who can guide you. But in the end, what I think you finally learn, Brett, is there is no mentor. You got to be the mentor of your own life. And that's what you ultimately have to come to grips with one day. You are here by yourself, and you got to figure it out, but enjoy the ride. Buckle your seatbelt. Challenge yourself, because otherwise it ain't fun. It isn't fun unless you challenge yourself, and then you can succeed. Do me a favor, Brett. Don't let anybody inject cortisone into your knee. Don't let them put stem cells or any needles of any kind, Synvisc. Stay away. Be holistic. There's a book I wrote with Linda Yui called Heal Your Knees, all about the pool and the bike and exercise. Pickleball's great. I'm glad that you're active, and your diabetes really needs it. But that's an abuse, and I'm not saying not to play pickleball. That's the fun that you want to have in life. But the mistake most people make is they just do the abuse, and then they end up in my office and they need surgery. I don't want pills. I don't want shots, but what I want you to do is spend your week doing nurturing exercises, the pool, the bike, the elliptical. Every day, do one of them, not the same thing every day, alternated. That'll allow your quadriceps, your hamstring, your calf muscles to be strong, just like a better shock absorber protecting the joint, the cartilage inside your knee, and you'll have less of these episodes. Yeah, you can wear a sleeve. You can do... Minor things like that, modifying your shoe wear, things like that make make sense to me. But in the end, father time is there. If it becomes swollen, you're limping and it's painful, then get it checked out. Get an exam. Get an x-ray. You may need an MRI. People who fail the holistic conservative treatment, yeah, that's why I'm a busy surgeon. We can fix a lot of things. You don't have to be tortured with it. But first, you always want to try to avoid surgery by making the strength in the muscles that much stronger. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah that's a, a point on. All those bullet points that you gave me um, is, uh, is, uh, is, is what I'm going to listen to. And I, I thank you for the show and keep, out, and keep helping more people. Thank you very much, Brett. God bless you and happy Father's Day to you God and bless yours. You, sir. All right. Warriors, coming up next, the top of the hour. I'm going to tell some stories because my guest at 8.15, I cannot wait to talk to him, is an expert about something that I don't know anything about, the desert. 
how do these animals survive? What is it that we're looking at? The greenery. Yeah, there is some green. How do those plants do it? And when you look at the night sky, what should we be looking at? Can you imagine all the things we're going to learn from David Smith, the superintendent for Joshua Tree? But coming up next, we're going to learn about the desert and its magic and art and in sports. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clappervision. Clappervision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers.